Hi, we're the Hypno Love Wheel. You're listening to WCBN FM and Auburn. to the Living Writers Show. Uh, my name is T. Hetzel, and today I'm lucky to have Nami Moon here in the, at the, the radio station. Um, welcome, Hi. Nami. Hi, T. Um, we're so glad you're here. We, we kind of cut off the song right before it hit its like apex. I, right. guess, I guess we're the apex. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with that. Okay. Um, so uh, I'm going to now introduce Nami Moon in, in, uh, by reading her, by way of reading her bio. Um, so, Nami Moon was born in Seoul, Korea, and was raised there, as well as in Bronx, New York. Employed since the seventh grade, she has worked as a door-to-door Avon lady, a dance hostess, a street vendor, a photojournalist, a bartender, and a criminal investigator. Um, we might be hearing a little bit more about some of those uh, jobs, writer jobs. <laughs> she, she is currently a lecturer at the University of Michigan. And in 2007, she received a pushcart prize, as well as scholarships and residencies from the Corporation of Yaddo, the McDowell Colony, Eastern Frontier, Breadloaf Writers Conference, Conference, and Key West Literary Seminar. In recent years, she was awarded scholarships to attend Squaw Valley Writers Conference and the Tin House Writers Conference and was named by Tin House as an emerging voice of 2005. She has fully emerged, ladies and gentlemen. Her stories have been published in the 2007 Pushcart Prize Anthology, The Iowa Review, Tin House, Evergreen Review, Witness, and other journals. A graduate of UC Berkeley, she received her MFA in 2007 from the University of Michigan that brings us to the present, where she garnered a Hopwood Award for Fiction and the Farrar Prize and the Theater Associates Award for Drama. Welcome, Nami Moon. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah, we need the, the studio audience applauding. <laughs> Everybody, we'll just have to imagine it, like the sound of the ocean. Don't we have a soundtrack for that? Like a That's true. We could get track? some okay. sound effects. <laughs> and now for the dog barking. Right. Now, so, so Nami, what just is like a, 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 a wind-up question. What's your favorite breakfast? breakfast? What, what do you eat in the morning? Oh, my God. I had no idea you were going to ask me that question. Um, I think... I have to say, lox and bagels with Ooh. cucumber and capers, everything bagel toasted. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, the everything bagel, right? Yeah, everything bagel, yeah. Not too salty. Do you get them at Zingerman's or where do you get your bagel? I, I doesn't not matter. It, what, just, it doesn't matter at all. It just I'll has just to... take it. I'll just eat it. Take yeah, everything. It's all good. Irish breakfast tea on Ooh, top of that. Okay. Yeah. Irish rather than English. Oh, I can't stand English <laughs> Just, just so you know, I think my my mom just went to England, so I think the family might be listening. So, hello, oh, I'm sorry. England. I love English breakfast tea. It's the best tea. No, look, don't let that sway you. Okay, you okay. just stay with what you like. I yeah. know. I'm such a wuss. It's a time okay. capsule of Nami Moon at the moment. Okay, Irish breakfast tea. That's it. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, now that we've got that, um, this this is an impressive. This is a very professional. Um, bio that we have here lots of um lots of big names that we'll maybe we'll talk about a little bit later and, okay um but uh let's 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 talk a little bit about um some of your your jobs because it's right there at the beginning so it seems like an important thing to you you've been working you've been employed since the seventh grade so how does yeah. that what how does that inform your your writer life um well i think well, the collection that I'm working on right now is, um, uh, it's sort of structured around 
um, the jobs that this protagonist has had for about five years. And so I guess I, I, I guess I, I believe working and having jobs is pretty important um, for a character. Um, but so the stories sort of begin with, you know, like one, one, in one story she sold, she sells Avon door to door. Another story she is a dance hostess working in a club. Another story she sells um, newspaper, but she sells the protagonist, um, my narrator. Sells, What's her name? Her name is June, J-O-O-N. And does she have a last name? Is that introduced at all through Not, the stories? Because no. I haven't seen it. Okay. Mm-mm. Just her first name. J- J-O-O-N. J-O-O-N. And um, she sells news- like sheets of newspaper, old newspaper on the subways. So it's sort of structured around those jobs. I see. Okay. And so that's why it's in your, your bio, because when you're sending out the collection, yeah. right, then it'll be... Hopefully, right. But, how, but okay, well then, but how many times do people then turn around and ask you how much of this is fiction and how much of your your stories are autobiography? Yeah. I, every time I do a reading, pretty much one person will come up and ask me that question, whether it's autobiographical or how much of it is autobiographical. I usually ignore them when they. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, no, I answer them. I, I usually tell them that it's loosely based on real life events, but the entire book is really pretty much all fiction. And is that does that satisfy them, or do they say? No, they keep asking. They do. Yeah, kind keep. of like I am now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I think almost everything that we write whether you're writing com- something that's completely based on fiction. I mean, it has some autobiographical strains to it, right? Right. Don't you think? Of course, yeah. Especially in poetry. Right? That's, yeah, well, yeah, and everything. Because right. that's, that's the what the, the knowledge, the interior knowledge is what you'll be right. infusing into the stories subconsciously. So even, even though right? I might be writing about it, let's say a skydiver, even though I've never, uh, I've never jumped out of a plane, I might not still not yet. That's not going to happen. Um, but I might still, you know, infuse that character with some of my own feelings about, let's say, I don't know, fear, you know, desperation, you know. Right. But the regular, the, the regular, regular things, stuff, yeah. the everyday stuff that I feel every day. Right. I would add to that list yeah. anxiety, anxiety. Um, obsession, night sweats. Right. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Because, and that's that's why I think that uh, when you say that, it makes complete sense. Because there's some moments in your stories. Um, I've been um, lucky enough. Uh, Nami sent three three new stories that she's been working on this summer to me to read, and there are these wonderful moments of insightful. I mean, they're everywhere. I'm sort of rustling through paper now to get to the, the like one that I. I've marked. And here's um, from from Nami's story, Narcotics Anonymous. There's a moment that's built toward where um, a character who's been wearing a chicken suit says, I've never felt closer to the truth until that day. Whatever was flowing through my body that night, that was real. That anger was so clean. I mean, and then it goes on from there. Um, but these moments of, of tremendous insight and um, and a character, uh, June, the protagonist that Nami mentioned, said uh, at a certain point, yeah, I searched to say something really important but came up empty. But I really like the sugar cookies. <laughs> like, that's a moment where you think it's so real. Oh, thanks, T. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, that particular story, it's about two recovering uh, drug addicts who are taking a break from their na- Narcotics Anonymous meeting and the one to have a smoke to have a smoke (laughs) apparently smoking is fine Um, (laughs) smoking obsessively is fine Um, but he tells this story about how he um, puts on a chicken suit to try and woo back a girlfriend Uh, he goes to her house goes to her apartment and um, realizes that some other man is living there with her now and he starts to binge and grabs all of the alcohol in her closet. There, no one's home. He's he's at her place alone. In a chicken suit in alone. In a chicken suit yeah. alone. And he starts drinking, drinking everything. And then at some point he has to urinate, but he can't seem to get out of his chicken suit. So he has to <laughs> cut, cut that portion of the chicken suit open so he can urinate 
but then he's held it in for so long he ends up just sort of urinating all over the linoleum then he gets this bright idea that he wouldn't mind urinating on their couch and their bed and he ends up urinating and drinks he drinks more so he can urinate more and he actually ends up urinating like the final thing i think is he pees inside her shampoo bottle which i thought that was too much I it's, going that too far. Yeah, it's going too far <laughs> but he's describing how and I, I'd just like to also point yeah. out that I think you're the person, at least as far as um, that I know, as long as I've been in this seat, that has managed to say urinate <laughs> as many times within one minute. <laughs> so that's a new record that's for the Living right. Writers right, Show. Awesome. Not to be, not to be rude. I mean, it's it's a natural <laughs> function. I was going to say other words, but I thought urinate was much more professional. <laughs> it's multisyllabic. Yeah, it's, it's the smart it's, word to use. It starts with the U. So I'm including the reader in a little bit. Um, wow, that's no. deep. <laughs> but I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, no, to cut no. you off because. But then he's talking about afterwards how, you know, now he's sober and he's telling this story. He's sober. He's been clean for, you know, several months and, and actually several years. But he's talking about how at that moment when he was doing that, that was the most honest moment that he's ever experienced. And it was very true for him, filled with sort of like crystal clear um, truth of who he was. And he feels like being sober and being clean now is, is actually more of a lie. And so, I don't know. That's Which is, that's an interesting idea, isn't it? Because everyone's yeah. saying you, you, you're masking the true self. It's right. not a way to it. Although William Burroughs would say the opposite. Right. Like it would be a way to finding out about the self. Right, it's a, I mean, you know, alcohol isn't necessary. I mean, it's a, it reveals who you are, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> for most of us it's not a good thing but you know same thing with money people say oh money changes people it doesn't change people it actually reveals you that's what money does really yeah. okay so this is it's, that's what I think then you see someone's like true, true colors yeah it just sort of reveals who you are I think you know deep inside you know the stuff that we mask every day yeah kind of like right now how I'm asking? No, I'm just kidding. No, no. This is the true <laughs> Nami Moon on September 12th, 2007. <laughs> so the chicken suit, what? Sick, suit. Not chicken suit. Chicken suit. Um, so that was great. That was, and so that's your story. And these are linked stories. So you right. mentioned that. Mm -hmm. um, is the whole, is the whole collection, when, you, when you're thinking your current project is is it um, very focused so that that everything you're working on right now is is a, a story of in this collection? Yeah. Or are there other? Uh, no, actually, somebody asked me that. Um, <clears throat> I didn't realize until recently that I've been working on this collection for nearly eight. It'll be eight years in January, and I have not written everything that I've ever written in the last eight years has been for this collection. So I've been working on this collection and nothing else for the last seven and a half years. Does that feel like um, you're getting closer to the truths and the stories that you started, the reasons you started writing this collection, you're getting closer to understanding why? Or do you feel like it's an imaginative world that um, is as close to you as the real, like the, the real one? I think, um, I think when I started the collection, I had this sort of vague notion of the kind of, the the emotions I wanted the reader to feel. That's, that's basically it. Mm -hmm. That's basically what I started off with. Um, and I recently finished the collection uh, while I was at um, this writer's conference at Yaddo. It's, so how many stories is it? There are 12. 12 stories. Yeah, 12 and stories. It, and it's actually finished. It's finished. I'm just doing some light uh, line editing stuff, and then I'm going to send it off to my agent, and hopefully she can tell it. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. That's really wonderful news. Yeah. So so eight years. Almost the, eight years, almost yeah. Almost eight years in the making. I'm very loyal, I think. I've it, been loyal to this book, I think. Yeah, the dedication in that, yeah. the, the diligence. Well, I also realized that I've also been dating uh, the same man for the last seven and a half years. Gus Rose. Gus Rose. So I don't know if there's, I don't know. Also don't know. a writer. Also a writer. Excellent writer. Yes. He's also very cute. And a novelist. And a novelist. Right. Good cook. Okay. Things, yeah. <laughs> well, um, as we sing Gus's praises, let's go. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back with Nami Moon. Okay.
the face I love And I knew I had to run away, yeah And get down on my knees and pray, yeah That they'd go away Still it begins uh, Needles and pins uh, Because of all my pride The tears I gotta hide Welcome back. If you're just joining us um, at the 4.30 hour mark or half hour mark, um, we've actually had 15 um, wonderful moments with Nami Moon, writer Nami Moon, um, because we started Living Writers Show started at a new time, 4.15. So that'll be our new time slot um, till the end of the world as we know it, 4.15 oh to 5.15. <laughs> um, Wait, Tia, I have to so, tell you one thing. Yeah, Nami. The song that we just listened to, Pins and Needles. Do you know who wrote that song? You'll be shocked. No. The original. Well, that was the Ramones that we just played. Right. Who wrote it? Who? There's this guy named Bob Nietzsche. Wrote it with Sonny Bono. Can you believe that? Sonny and Cher. Sonny Sonny and Cher. Cher? Yeah. Can you believe that? It kind of had that. um, Now that you mention it, that that the 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 guitar quality seemed very. Yeah. Um. Like you and me, babe, or yeah. something. Oh, good point. You and me, babe. That's right. You That's, and me, T and Nami. So, That's right. all the music that we're hearing has, um, are Nami picks, basically. <laughs> this is music that, uh, why did you, what is the music about? Want to tell us like a brief bit? And I just pick songs that kind of make me happy for whatever reason. I'm not really sure. Um, but that Needles and Pins by, by the Ramones is one of my faves. Definitely. That was that was great. Yeah. I love that. But anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just thought that was important information that I should share with the world. Exactly. That Sonny Bono, Bono wrote the original. And he, and like, rest in peace, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. Okay. Um, and I think it's kind of great that you, you've you brought in music that makes you happy, because I think that's important because your stories have such a... Um, and, and, and you just said in the, the, in the first part of the show, you mentioned that you started writing them... Um, for an emotive quality that was present, hmm. right? That that was for Just, the emotion. Uh, yeah, to emotion an emotion. Exactly from the to listen, elicit a certain kind of emotion for the reader. Um, I that's pretty much how I start most of my stories. Like, what kind of a feeling do I want? Hmm. It starts very general that way. So you go for a feeling, and then, uh, like, what do, the, do you move to images? Like, how are you? Because that's what I've been telling my students right. recently. So that's what I like. Images, right? From write right, what you picture. What's right. the first thing that you comes well, to your well? Head? Actually, what I I mean I I, mean, I have the emotions in mind, um, especially when you know working on a collection like this, where you know one st- not every single story, uh, you know these stories need to give different emotions so that you know it makes a l- lovely whole, you know, as a book. But what I try to do when I'm writing is. I have the, I think about the emotion, but when I'm writing, I really concentrate on the surfaces of things, like describing, you know, the surfaces of things. Mm-hmm. And hopefully with the emotion in mind and the surfaces, my, my descriptions will sort of pick up the emotions that I'm trying to allay. Without it being obvious, exactly, where, where you're right. not s- stating it outright. Right. So when you're saying you're writing about the surface of things, would that be... Um, like talking about O'Brien's, like a setting in the bar, um, and the people who are in the bar, but just describing it, um, sort of writing, right. writing it, not okay, not flat, but direct, very uh, direct, yeah, just very sort of. I try and just sort of give it as is, um, without putting too much um, 
of the writerly stroke to it. Yes. Um, and just trying to describe things as cleanly as possible. Um, and, you know, obviously that turns some people off. <laughs> some people like that. I'm not sure. But, you know. <laughs> right. That's, right. I but think that's, that's what your intention is. Right. That's my intention. To keep, it's a, this narrator is somewhat of a detached, um, emotionally detached person. And there's reasons for that. There are reasons for that. Yeah. In, in her history. Right. Right. She goes through some traumatic things. And so, you know, someone who's experienced some sorts of trauma, um, they have a tendency to be a little bit detached to their own emotions. Right. But th- but then um, following from what you were saying a moment ago then, but but in, in the actions of of the protagonist and the characters around, you see, um, you see what's driving them right. by what they end up actually doing on the page right. and, and what they end up saying or not saying not saying is actually more important sometimes than what they end up saying right right i don't notice as i don't it, but it's interesting that you say that because i don't notice as much you don't take us into the interior at least in the three stories that i've i've just read mm. of the character of june's mind the protagonists um so does that mean that you've actually had on the page um things more things that more dialogue and then you've you've taken it out yeah. as a choice is that what you're saying definitely okay. definitely it's sort of like a who's that painter i'm trying to think of uh uh friend bacon he usually starts off with a perfectly uh, normal portrait and then he starts swiping away sections of it and, and then we have that the end result which is it looks horrifying and terrifying <laughs> but that's sort of what i do with my i mean i, I tend to write more and then I sort of sculpt away the excess and uh-huh. then try to sort of, you know, make it lean as possible. There we go. That's great. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just pounded on the table a little bit then. Um, so can you read us? Will you read us a piece of one of your new stories? Sure. I'll just read just the first two pages of a, a, a story that I was working on over the summer. <clears throat> and this comes later on in the collection um, when she's... Um, has gone back to drug use um, and she's unfortunately hooked up with this uh, guy named Benny who uh, Was that has intentional using a name like Benny? You mean because of Benzedrine? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> Darn it. You know all my secrets, T. No, no. no, no, it no. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was really? intentional. Yeah. I definitely think about names. Um, okay, so this is a story called What We Had. And like I said, I'm just going to read a couple of pages. <clears throat> and one day I woke, up, I woke up with Benny next to me, and next to him, a girl I didn't know. We were living in a motel where black wire snaked down from a hole in the ceiling, guiding the rain onto the foot of our bed. The girl could have been anybody. A teller, a waitress, a checkout girl from the AMP waiting for a bus in the storm. Anyone willing to drown with him. I sat up and looked for their gear. I found it on the floor, soaking in a Dixie cup, the water a little pink from the blood. The Q-tip heads, rubbing alcohol, a large soup spoon with the handle wrapped in Band-Aid, things we used to share. The room smelled of warm vinegar. Somewhere under our blankets, the radio sang low, muffled enough for me to think that the sound was coming from somewhere in my chest. She was blonde like the others, and he was hugging her, wrapping his long, white body around hers in a tight braid, wanting to dream her dreams. She was smiling. She had thin skin. I could see the system of veins on the back of her hand and the black hole just above her wrist, a pencil mark, a start of a scab. His back was to me, and I took that to mean something. I reached over them across the bed, to grab his cigarettes and a box of matches on the nightstand. I coughed, cleared my throat twice, and rattled the tiny box like I was trying to guess what was inside it. When he didn't wake, I struck a match and dropped it in his ear. He shot up, slapping the side of his face over and over like a dog. I slipped out of bed without saying a word. Fuck, what was that? He rubbed his eyes and then stared blankly at the TV before rubbing his eyes some more. Maybe you were dreaming, I said. Outside, the rain tried to break through the glass. I put on all the clothes I owned, 
two pairs of socks, three tees, a pair of pants, two sweaters, and my jacket. I'm not coming back, I said. He lay back down with his eyes already shut, pulled a girl in closer, draped her arm across his cracker-thin chest, and their bodies took over the bed and the pillow that had held the shape of me. I left without slamming the door. It was sunny and raining. Blades of white light cut through the clouds and shined on the glassy tubes of rain as they streaked the air and tapped my jean jacket. I stood across the street from the motel and counted to 20 and then 40 to the beat of the neon sign blinking next to our window. Psychic, the sign said again and again. I counted past 60 without much thought and went up to 100, twice, first in English and then Korean. Benny didn't come out for me. I knew he wouldn't, but I wanted to make sure. Two-legged umbrellas crossed the street, threading themselves between cars and dump trucks and vans that were honking at a bus making a lazy turn. My hair felt stiff and cold. Maybe I would have waited years for Benny if the weather had been different, if I hadn't looked down and noticed the rainwater rushing against the curb and the Barbie head, her hair splayed like wings above her face, stuck behind a to-go carton lying on its side. The water slid over her eyes and nose and lips that kissed the carton until the weight of all that came before her propelled her down Hemming Street. It was as good a direction as any. Thank you, Nami. Thank you. And that was and that was from the story what we had. What we had, yeah. And so um so when when you're arranging the stories, is it gonna be in a chronological order? Is that how we're going to Yeah. Pretty much it's we we take um we I have five years of her life as a runaway. Mm-hmm. From you know, pretty much the month that she's run away from home when she was thirteen and then we follow her until eighteen. In this story that I just read, she's um, roughly like 17 years old. Okay. And so, why? I, what? What was your? Why did you make the choice to to write linked stories rather than a novel? Like, what? what mm. What's the? What's the difference? Or right. what? What were th- things that were advantages? Or? That's a really good question. I wish I could say that I made that choice. Except, you know, I think I just. When I uh, the first story that I wrote, which I wrote in 2000, it was called Club Orchid. I had no idea really that I was working on a longer project. I thought I was just writing a story. And that was in 2000. That was in 2000. And how how did that start? Like when did you write? Was that because you lived in San Francisco for a while, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so was that when you were in the writing group, or was it before the writing group that you were? I was in a writers group in just a private. You know, we met at you know in our living room. It was very casual um, from people that had, writers that I'd met at UC Berkeley um, and I, it was my turn to turn in a story I don't know <laughs> and so I thought oh I better write something really good or try <laughs> no pressure there well everyone else was sort of much more advanced than I was in their writing or had been writing you know, longer they'd been or? writing longer and you know um, so that was a story that I wrote um and then I just had more and more stories. Um, it just kept, I don't know, it just kept coming. And after about four of those, I realized, okay, this is all about the same girl. And, you know, we have all of these different things that she gets into. So that's when I started thinking about collection of short stories. I just, the whole idea of a novel hadn't even entered my mind. That was just not the way these stories were coming out. It didn't feel like a novel uh, at all. They, you know, it just felt right the way it was coming out, which were in short stories. Which, which are sort of, they are universes unto themselves then. Yeah, they're, hopefully they're self-contained and, um, and each one obviously has its own little arcs. But then um, I've, when I put them all together, hopefully the, large, uh, the larger arc is visible when you read the whole book. Right. So you follow her through ups and downs, you know, in this sort of, um, in the entire book. But then within each one, you know, she has little ups and downs there as well. Right, right. And they're and not all necessarily about her either. Some stories are about other characters, her friends, people that she meets and such. 
okay, who yeah. were introduced to maybe in an earlier story, right. and then they they come back right. and have, have more time in or given more attention in exactly. their own story. Exactly, like Benny is in a story that's you know comes before this, and he's he's in a couple of stories. Um, I have several recurring characters. I see. Mm. Okay, and so had you read? Okay, so. Um, Maybe I'm thinking of this because uh, in in one of my classes we'll be reading Dennis Johnson's Jesus's Son. Yeah. So so that that this this reminds me of what what he was up to. A it's a, yeah, bit. definitely. I was very influenced by um, uh, that book, Jesus's Son, and also his other book called Angels, which which is actually a novel. But um, the first book I would say that really influenced me was actually Hubert Selby Jr., which. Not that many people. For some reason, his name isn't that well known um, in in certain circles for whatever reason. But Hubert Selby Jr. wrote uh, Last Exit to Brooklyn, which was made into a film. Um, and also he wrote Requiem for a Dream, which was okay. also made into a film. Yes. The so he's, he's more well known, I guess, after you've seen the movies. But um, Last Exit to Brooklyn, just when I read it... Um, blew me away it literally my mind was blown away <laughs> wow okay i'll have to read that one then this is yeah. so this is your recommendation for you know when everyone gets a chance to to oh, read definitely. a book that's outside of the or i would say curriculum. make that chance make it <laughs> make happen it, make it happen Go out and read it. okay so we're uh, make it happen we're gonna take a short break and we'll be right back Welcome back. You're listening to the Living Writers Show. My name is T. Hetzel, and today uh, we have Nami Moon here in the studio with us. If you're just joining, joining us. Um, so, um, so we we're just talking about Nami's picks for for um, <laughs> for for reading. DJ Shadow. And and yes, and, and maybe a little known fact, or no, well, maybe if you're from uh, if you're in Ann Arbor, you might have noticed Nami Moon actually on a dance floor around town. It's pretty. My would moves be, are you would pretty well her. known. I think that's yeah. right you've got can you tell us a couple i think you've even named them uh one is the toast in the toaster that's it's tough because we're on radio and so you can't really see my moves that i'm doing right now as we speak it's, um, it's true <laughs> well if only know, yeah but had, people can imagine it that's sort of the magic of radio right the, the basically you have to well never mind i'm not going to try and explain okay basically the toast in the toaster dance starts with your left hand, which is the piece of toast. You insert it into the toaster. Your right hand plops down the toast, the, what do you call it, the, the lever. The lever, yeah. You wait for a little bit. You dance. You move. And, and you then, move your head. You kind right, of head bob a little. You head bob a little bit. Okay. Then you push it, the lever again, and the toast pops up. Your left hand pops up. And then you put butter on the toast with your right hand and then yeah you just you do know. you eat it then or do you go get the marmalade or oh what do you God, do? I didn't even think about the next stage that's crazy T I have to think of other moves based on the eating and then yeah there's a whole, that's a really long dance it's a long dance <laughs> and then you also have the stuck window right I think that's the one of my favorites window. of yours that you've stuck window I've seen you do is, it's, yeah. it's a it's a you know it's it's a, it's a staple it is, you know, yeah. I rely on that move uh, quite often. I mean, I'm some people are doing, you know, the, what is it, like the watering, watering the lawn? The sprinkler. The sprinkler, yeah. yeah like that's, the, or the jump the rope. The shopping, shopping cart the one, sh yeah. There's so many. There's, There's so many, but, you know, I I can't really, you just have to come out dancing. Everyone who's listening, <laughs> let's just go dancing. That's right. We'll have to go to the, the, the soul night at Blind Pig one of these, one of these days. <laughs> one of the DJs here um, does that. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I forget what day. I think it's like the first Friday or so. Anyway, right. well, I won't. We'll do it. Okay. We'll do it. We'll go, everyone. We'll do a um, radio show of me dancing. Do you, do okay. you, so, but you're, so that's pretty, you're, um, you're a person that's moved, like you're a dancer. <laughs> I say that, even though I'm laughing, I say that in all seriousness. So you're a person that's moving a lot. So do yeah. you have any sort of rituals before you start? Because writing is usually... Not you're moving, sitting down, right? you're not moving. Your mind's moving. Writing is death. No, writing is <laughs> right. not moving. Um, actually, I don't really, I'm, for whatever reason, I can sit for 12 hours straight and write for 12 hours straight. And that's not something that's unheard of, right? This right. is part of your process, your regular. Yeah. Right? Tell us, do you mind telling yeah, a little no, bit no. about? A lot of people have different, you know, rituals and process. And, and I tend to, you know, some people write for a few hours in the morning and then they do other stuff during the day and then they come back to it. I tend to be more of a marathon kind of a person. I like to block off like days in a row and just write for hours and hours. Um, I have no idea why I like that, except I I do think that I'm I'm an, when I get into a project I do stay very focused sort of like tennis actually yes. I can play tennis for hours and hours I've played in a tournament where I've played for like three days in a row where each day I had to you know be on court for you know hours sometimes eight hours but I didn't mind it at all and I would just stay focused. Nami Moon, physically <laughs> fit, mentally fit, <laughs> emotionally strong. I'm going to try and make a connection between tennis and writing, and it's not going to work. I don't, I don't think it's going to no, work. No, no, no. Yeah. The ideas, they're flying around. Right. You're hitting, you're bashing at them. No, I think what, I what I'm trying to say is I think uh, I just, I can stay focused on one thing for a very long time. And, and that's in- incredibly impressive when you think that you've just mentioned it's almost eight years, right. this project. And then you're saying, um, on average, 12 hours a day. On average, I would say it's more like eight, eight to 10. Eight to right? 10. If I, you know, whenever I have a day off. That's nothing to yeah. sneeze at. No. But I, don't, I think... What I about a regular know. day? What about like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Like what about... When I'm teaching, I don't write. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I teach Tuesdays and Thursdays. Hello to all my students out there. My 125 students, you should be doing your assignments right now instead of listening to this show. Um, (laughs) When I'm teaching, I tend to not write. I tend to be focused on teaching. You know, so four days out of the week, I'm focused on teaching. That's right. Hear that, English department. (laughs) (laughs) Dedicated. Please hire me again. No. Um, But the three days that I do have off, those are the days that I do the marathon writing. That's that's why we haven't been able to uh, get drinks in a long time tea. That's right. That's right. Not drinks, you know, some... Coca-Cola or something. Right. Okay. Tea. <laughs> Irish of breakfast tea. tea. Irish yes. breakfast. Or English, because <laughs> I, I, I like both equally. Um, okay. So well, what I want to do now is to kind of steer away from the, the imbibing. And in your bio, in your uh, it came up that this summer, and, and we've mentioned it, you've been able to complete the collection, the 12 stories. Right. And so... I think you said that it was at Yado where this last well, I, one was completed. Right. What what we had, you right. worked on it and finished. Well, the whole book. Um, I mean, I went to three residencies back to back this summer and started from May thirty first, and I just got home when school started, basically. And so, and how so, did that impact the writing? Did that? Oh, it was great. It was great. Talk about focus. That's all I did. There's nothing to do except write. And where did you go? Like what? The first you... one was a place called McDowell, right? Uh, McDowell, the McDowell Colony. And that's in New Hampshire. And that, there I was uh, for six weeks writing. They deliver lunch to you every day. Mm. Every day. There's a guy named Blake who delivers your lunch to you, to your studio the, every day. The lunch man. Well, he's so, he's actually, I think he's actually like a... a wooden spirit like he I, I, there's something very magical about Blake but anyway we'll, I won't go into that he's an amazing <laughs> you amazing can person if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was six weeks that was great I worked on a story that what I thought was going to be the final story of the collection I wrote 50 pages in those six weeks and then I went to another residency right after that with uh, my boyfriend who, who also got into this residency called Eastern Frontier and that was on an island off the coast of Maine um it was an island that you can walk around it in about 35 minutes. It's a very small island. And that was sort of a rustic cabin made of, you know, and there was no running water. So it's sort of like glorified camping, but it was so beautiful. We were just in the in the woods, and it, I just had a great time there. And again, very focused writing. Um, 
And that was I was there for we were there for four weeks, and then after that I went to uh, this residency called Yado, which is supposed to rhyme with shadow. I have, and that's how the name the the somebody made up that name, and they they thought it was funny that it rhymed with shadow. Was um, it like in the '60s when they made up the name, or <laughs> it was actually made up I think by a, a young girl, I think like a six-year-old girl. Oh, okay. Um, but that was in a mansion. Is that in the one? New York. The postcard. That's the that postcard. I think I sent you a postcard actually from McDowell. McDowell, right? <sighs> but Yaddo is a large mansion. There are a lot of like fainting chairs and large dark wooded furniture, and uh, there was a dinner bell. What is know. a fainting chair? I know this is getting off topic of writing, but yeah, what, no, because I often adds- faint when I'm writing, so this is important. <laughs> it's fainting chair is it's one of those long loungy padded cushioned chair with just the back oh okay i see like one you might even find in in a psychiatrist's office exactly not um, that i would know what a psychiatrist right how would we know i've (laughs) I've never been in one um and that was also great too um that was just really i stayed in a studio actually where philip roth wrote portnoy's complaint which was great it was my studio my writing area was inside this turret Oh, um, it's hurt. Yeah, and so if you look up, there's this dome ceiling with like a light fixture. He also wrote the book, uh, The Breast, in that room, in that studio, and I'm convinced it's because of that dome. Of the, of the, tr- yes. of the dome and then the right. ceiling fixture right in the middle, which kind of looks like a nipple. Can I say that on air? I think I can say that. Well done, Nami. All I'm, all I'm saying is I was just very glad that they changed the sheets when I got there, and there's just a lot of masturbation in uh, Portnoy's complaint, so I was like, oh, okay. Right, hopefully they swabbed the deck, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Wow. So, so these, and, and these these residencies they're a really big deal like the you, when you say you've been to yaddo that mm-hmm. rhymes with shadow and <laughs> thank you for actually telling me that i'll remember that from now on and and the mcdowell colony um it, people know what you're talking about it's 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 a big deal and and what are some of the the benefits for going did, did you find that you there was a new community of writers oh, that you yeah. met or what actually i mean time? I, I met so many people so many great people there and um and i, I met some great writers and I'm, i was very happy to meet them but in all honesty i had no idea that i would meet so many um uh, people of other disciplines you know like yes. artists and and painters ta- painters yeah. documentarians and I just, I, it was so great to see other people's work and how they, you know, how a different um, genre, you know, how a different discipline um, gets expressed, you know, what creativity goes through their minds and such. Um, and did you talk about, did you, did you find yourself having these um, off the cuff philosophical discussions about method and, or was it like, like fame, was, like right. where you all started just doing something when you met for dinner, you just like, like <laughs> the high school fame you know you were all <laughs> we started dancing for no reason in the middle of our conversations um no it was it was we did have some but mostly we were just talking about whiskey and and dinner and we were critiquing dinner and food. values values dancing a lot of dancing no there were some conversations and we we would ha- you know we would often have studio visits where people would you know open their studios and show their work and so it was very I don't know, it was a very fruitful, productive, fun um, experience. Did you share your work with anyone when you were there? Did you read? Or, yeah. yeah. I, there were readings on, in all three of them I read. Um, and then some people asked for stories, you know, individual stories. So I would share, we would share stories and such. Was there any change in the work? Like, did you, did that change how you saw something? Or were the stories pretty set and you were just finding sort of, not like-minded, but people right. who understood what your project was about and connected to their own? Or um, No, I not really. I didn't change my work based on... I mean, I didn't really get that many... I mean, I got just positive comments. No one was, like, actually wor- workshopping my stories. <laughs> but, you know, that, I'm glad you asked that because um, I had... I was stuck in a particular scene in, in one of my stories, and I didn't know what the character would do. And the answer came to me when I was having a conversation with a Uzbeki choreographer who lives in Otterdam, and he was in Yaddo, and he, he spoke you know, English well enough for me to understand, but he told me something, and it was, we weren't even talking about 
what my story was about. We were just talking about something, and then he said something, and I realized, oh, that's that's what I need to do. It, he said something, and I realized, oh, that's that's what I need to do. It just sort of clicked yeah, into place. Right. And so, I suggest everyone to go find an Uzbeki choreographer. And talk to them, <laughs> or your own right. so, parallel of, of that. Okay, you're uh, you're listening to uh, WCBN FM Ann Arbor. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Living Writers Show, and today Nami Moon is in studio. Um, Hi. So, and we're so, I'm so happy. The royal we. <laughs> well, Jesse, <laughs> Jesse the engineer. Jesse Johnston, thanks for engineering. Woohoo, um, Jesse. That's right. Um, okay, so if we're, we're moving into our final minutes that was so together. Fast. It goes fast, okay. doesn't it? So, there's a couple of things that, that I'd like to, to talk about. Um, and, and one of them um, is just, uh, I, quickly, going back to the story that okay. you read, what we had, mm-hmm. just a, a question about the writing. the Because the, um, it seems like, and what you've said, you're very conscious about, um, you don't want writerly moves to be apparent, right. but you're very, you're very careful in what, you're very, you're crafting this. You're very crafty now. You're, you're crafting this. She's crafty. Story. Just my style. She's crafty. Okay, I'm sorry. It's good when there's a little singing um, in, in every show, a little bit. It's like, like an apple being a day. Little. Singing, oh no, yes. no, no! We can sing the rest of the the, the rest of the 15 minutes. Um, there's no one here to stop us, right? Um, but I noticed uh, that there were some some parallels in the story that I um, when you mentioned the Barbie doll head um, okay. going down in the the the, the river of water in the gutter. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's, it's probably no accident that it's sort of like this, the water swooshing down in a gutter like right. that, and that it's a Barbie doll head and, and probably blonde and the woman in Benny's bed is blonde. Right. And, um, but then also later on, um, there's a moment when, and I hope that's okay. Cause people will eventually read the story, but right. maybe I won't, I don't think I'll be ruining anything. There's a moment. Plot spoiler. <laughs> exactly. No. Um, I know. I apologize if anyone's upset by this, <laughs> but I'm getting to a point in a roundabout way. Um, but the, and you say that you you attribute wings. Her hair goes mm-hmm. out in wings, and then later on in the story, there's a moment when um, Benny and June have had um, I don't know they've they've gotten high, and Benny decides he wants to see um, the insides of June. Right, and so he cuts open her back and says, right. "She said, what do you see?" and 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 she thinks that there'll be wings there, right? He's, he or he th- says yeah, you've got wings, right? He okay. sees wings. He goes, I, you know, I think you have wings. And so, that's, and then she says, "Well, doesn't everybody?" <laughs> they're very, they're very high when right. they're saying these things. But still, it's a lovely, it's a moment of, wow. of maybe s- spiritual importance. About <laughs> are you saying something about angels, Nami? <laughs> um. Wow, I never actually, I didn't put those two things together about her hair being splayed, um, sort of like wings. I hadn't put that together, but it kind of makes sense. You know, I try to tap into my subconscious as much as possible. I try to not, um, you know, when I'm writing the first draft, I try to sort of uh, let go of that control of, you know, the conscious control that, you know, sometimes we can have. And I try to sort of just let my subconscious uh, flow a little bit. Um, so it, 
I guess you know that oh, that was no. what my so, subconscious was doing. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I wish I could for say, saying I'm that because sorry. now I, I feel like one of those annoying people that year after year goes to the Faulkner conference <laughs> and writes yet another insightful commentary on Faulkner. Um, no, I oh, wish I could no. say that I meant it, but maybe you know subconsciously I meant it. Maybe sub- yeah, all subconsciously. Right. But anyway, I, that's I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, now, that's okay. This show is not about making me feel better about my reading of your wonderful stories. Okay, let's move. Let's move along. I also um, I, I mentioned on the um, the email announcement of your of the show yes. um, Nami that um, we would talk a little bit about your time as a criminal investigator and I want to know how does that um, how does that work <laughs> feed into your writing or was it one of those jobs that gave you the freedom to have an eight hour um, writing day that you so you created that space for hmm. yourself actually um, criminal I know this might sound a little shocking to some but criminal investigations and english literature which very is very closely stu- related they're actually very closely related because i was studying english lit at uc berkeley and any english major can tell you that there's a lot of analysis reading through lots of books and you know stories and then analyzing picking them apart you know the themes of voice all this stuff so a literary detective very much when you are a criminal investigator you get a a huge case file and you read reports of what has happened the incident that has happened all the witnesses their statements and such forensics reports and the, and you have to pick things apart and analyze everything so it's they're not that far uh, far from each other these two disciplines as far as how it uh, uh, influenced my writing I mean it you know it influenced it greatly I mean there's just um you meet a lot of people doing that job. You meet a lot of people under freeways um, at, at, <laughs> in the middle of the night. Under a freeway, really? <laughs> oh yeah. You know, you meet a lot of people when you're trying to serve them subpoenas, and you meet a lot of people when you are. Did you ever say you got served? <clears throat> I know. <laughs> no. I never okay. said those exact words. Right. I would just sort of here hand the piece of paper and say like, "I'm sorry, oh. you're served. I'm sorry," and then just run. Um, so there, you know, you're just exposed to a lot of different kinds of people, um, homeless people, to, you know, people who are addicted to drugs, people who are attorneys, <laughs> and people who are other, you know, other and investigators. And how these stories are also overlapping, right? These different people's right. individual narratives are right. actually sometimes connected. Exactly, so. exactly. And there's not, I mean, you know, one thing I noticed is that there's some not that much difference between someone who's in prison and who's not in prison. And, and yeah, it's, and what's right, right and wrong, like what people are being right. accountable for. Right. And so, um, so it, it definitely uh, was great for my writing and just not just for my writing per se, but more just for my thinking and feeling. And the capability, it allowed me, I mean, I think I was in, I, I think I'm generally an empathetic person, but um, that job really sort of, um, you know, it tests your ability to feel empathy uh, for people and um, so stretches it in a way. So you felt empathy for people that you wouldn't have imagined yeah. that you would. Yeah, I would not have. You know, I wouldn't have known. And, you know, I didn't know until I did that job that I would What's actually feel. What's an example feel, of that? Like you know, someone who's, com- you know, committed homicide or someone who's, you know, raped, uh, you know, and admitted to raping a person. I mean, it's very difficult to feel empathy mm. for if you don't know them. It's very difficult to feel empathy. Um, for a, but part you know, of your job would be constructing their defense then. Part of my job was to, I, I, I considered myself to be an impartial fact finder. Mm. I never tried to take sides about whether someone was guilty or not guilty. This is like your writing too. Yeah, and sort of like my, you know, not be judgmental at all. I am just looking for the facts. I'm making sure that the police did, you know, everything correctly. I'm upholding the Constitution to make sure that this person gets a fair trial. But, you know, in meeting people and meeting defendants and working with them and, you know, listening to their life stories, it's you understand that that one act that they committed is actually just the final act of string of other things that have been committed unto them, the unfairness that had been committed unto them. And so the stories behind the story. Right. But I mean, you know, they do this one horrible, awful thing. And then you find out that so many awful things have been done unto them before this moment. Um, 
I'm not saying it excuses them in any way whatsoever. You know, if you're guilty, hey, you're guilty. And and you should, you know, you're, you're going to go to prison. It for can't that. be complete anarchy. <laughs> right, right. But um, it allowed me to understand just sort of the darker sides of people and how, you know, how some people go one way and other people go the other way. And that there's these dif- different reasons yeah. that people have, yeah. right? Yeah, right. that those that's definitely, it seems like informing yeah. your writing. So um, when my boyfriend doesn't do the dishes correctly, I don't get, I have empathy for him now, which I didn't used to before. <laughs> well, thank goodness for criminal investigation. <laughs> it has a good impact on domestic <laughs> circumstance. Um, so... Uh, also, it seems like a lot from your from from your your bi- biography, um, Nami, and and what we've been talking about. There's there's many things that seem firmly outside of academia mm-hmm. in a way. Um, so, what is it like? What do you do? You feel like you're so you can speak from being a writer outside of academia and now firmly within academia mm. and the and the system that surrounds it, like okay. the system of prizes and in sort of residencies and so how is that is that changing the work at all or i this is a broad question you can just take a stab at it if you want it's it's definitely not changing the work i don't feel that it's changing the work but uh, you know people need to know that like before i got my mfa i you know i'd been i worked on that book for five and a half years before i got my mfa recently and so it would you know it would it would have been impossible I think to change the work too much I mean I was already on my path I feel like and the MFA program here was very supportive in making sure that I stayed on my path and finishing the project um as far as you mean like teaching is that is that what you're asking me like how is teaching affected my writing or well that could be part of it it was more uh, like the community itself versus a community that it sounds like you might have had in San Francisco where you had a writer's group Uh, the different uh, a different approach because it seems like almost a different uh, way of being in the world of Mm. writing whether you're choosing to be a part of a or or close affiliated with a university or or not I I didn't really notice that I mean I love my 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 little family here writers here I think they're great they were great uh, readers for me funny and personable and just really warm and very caring about my manuscript and my stories. And so I really appreciate it. To me, they were just as caring about, you know, my manuscript as the writer's group that I had back in uh, Berkeley, California. So that didn't, I didn't feel too much of a jarring effect there. Um, But what the MFA program did for me is just it allowed me to focus on this book even more so because before I was working, you know, full full time jobs. Right, right. And here they just, you know, totally take care of you. <laughs> Michigan really took care of me. Yeah, it's two and years all of, with some yeah. time and money. Yeah, right? and it's so, just it was just a great great experience. Yeah, so I don't know. And and but it also seems like these other experiences that were that came before, like the years before, like the five and a half years. Right. Um, like the the writing wouldn't be possible, maybe in a way. I don't know. I don't, I don't know why. I feel like I'm trying to make a case for outside the ac- academy, no, even though here yeah. we sit. <laughs> my tank, my writing tank was full mm-hmm. when I came here, and so I had plenty of material to work with, you know, to finish this book. I feel um, there is some. There is sort of like a uh, a sterile quality in in academia, you know, where I'm not I'm not being. St- you know, I'm not under you, the freeways anymore right. looking for, or you, you know. Or you hear people say when they're doing readings, like uh, I think when David Baker came through, he's like, oh, you can recognize a story that comes from Iowa. Or you can recognize. Right. So there's that quality. That's right. up, but you, but that, that you don't feel, but you feel like that's not the case for, for I don't, you. I don't think it is for me, but is that's, it time? That's, it's almost time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't, I, it, I don't think it is either. So okay. it wasn't like I was trying to get to some. What are you saying to I know. Yeah, what am I saying? I don't know what I'm saying. No, but um, but thanks for being on the show today, Nami. Thanks Very for much. having Thank me, you. And for reading your upcoming collection. I wish you all the luck. In there. You don't need luck. I need luck? Okay, well, what are you yeah, good luck. About? Well, yeah, okay, everybody does. Everybody does. What yeah. would you like to say? Oh, nothing. I was just going to say uh, nothing. I was going to say thank you to Jesse. Jesse Johnston. And, yeah. Um, for playing all my songs for me and 
and being tolerant of my songs. <laughs> well, thank you, Nami Moon, for, for being on the show. Um, yes, yeah, so stay tuned. Uh, next next time we'll be back at 4.15. And um, thank you for listening, Ann Arbor. Um, thanks for streaming in Seattle and maybe San Francisco.